Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Former MLW star in jail again. MVP injured on the latest episode of Monday Night Raw. And yesterday, I took you through celebrities entering the squared circle. Now today, I'll take you through pro wrestlers entering the celebrity stratosphere. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. If you like the content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. Last night was Impact Wrestling, but before we get into that, Let's take a look at our breaking news and one of the biggest breaking news to come out of yesterday. Teddy Hart is in jail once again on several charges. He is currently being detained for three charges, one for possession of controlled substance, one for evading arrest, and one for injuring a child, disabled person, or elderly person. Hart's last match in professional wrestling was December 16th, 2020, when he wrestled Too Tough Tony. For the JCW Heavyweight Championship at JCW Bring Down the House. He's best known for his time in MLW as the middleweight champion and tag team champion. Hart, he has a deep history with the law. And most recently, uh, before this arrest, he was arrested in October of 2020. Hart was arrested in Texas and charged with injuring a disabled person, evading arrest, and uh, being in control of a substance as well. So, you know... To be detained once again uh, is not what you want to see for Teddy Hart. And uh, I guess I would say best wishes to him, but he seems like he hasn't learned his lesson for uh, quite some time now. I believe his record going dating back to 2014. Moving on to other news, MVP injured during his last episode of Monday Night Raw. MVP appeared on Raw Talk with crutches and is now headed to Birmingham, Alabama for further evaluation. MVP blew out his knee in a six-man tag match against Riddle and Lucha House Party. MVP was a professional, though, through the match and doing so completed the match and without any bumps in the road. He actually did, uh, I believe he took like a top turnbuckle bump uh, throughout that match and uh, even did that signature bouncing off the ropes, a uh, ball and elbow drop uh, with that bum knee. So he was able to work through that. And I'm glad to see that he's uh, in good spirits. So get well soon, MVP. Actually, a tweet came out that MVP laughed at, and I laughed at it as well, saying that MVP's knee gave out after carrying Raw for the past year, which made me laugh. And it, there is some substance to that tweet. You might look at me like I'm crazy, but uh, I think... Well, for what he's done with the Hurt Business, just look where the titles are right now on Raw. The United States Champion in the Hurt Business and Bobby Lashley, Cedric Alexander, and Shelton Benjamin, both the Raw Tag Team Champions. That's where all the gold is right now with the Hurt Business. So, uh, good for MVP because I know that this was probably his brainchild and something that he really wanted to get behind and for an all-black stable to really be this dominant in the WWE is a great sight to see. Young Rock making its series premiere on NBC. If you're like me and you missed the first episode of last night's uh, Young Rock uh, because you're watching Impact, it's going to be streamed on NBC's streaming service Peacock 
which is where also the WWE Network is going to be very soon, uh, coming in March. But Young Rock, show about Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm sure you've seen the thousand commercials on NBC and USA, given that they're partners there. You've seen those commercials in between every break between Raw and NXT all the time. So you definitely know about it, but wasn't able to watch it last night because of Impact Wrestling. I'm going to watch it hopefully soon on Peacock. And one more thing about uh, NBC Peacock. I I saw a TikTok, funny enough, about if the capabilities of Peacock will hold up to the standards that the WWE Network did. You look at the WWE Network, and let's say you just wanted to search for a random match with a random obscure professional wrestler, if you will, and you could easily search that into the WWE Network search bar and find it right away in two seconds, you know, just by clicking through a little bit. I hope that they're going to be able to transfer that ability into Peacock because right now, if you go to Peacock and you uh, search up a comedian or like Amy Schumer or something like that, who's someone that's done a lot with NBC or has a show with NBC and you you search it up, it has a tough time finding results for a person that should be well known. So if I'm looking for an obscure wrestler on NBC Peacock, that might be giving me some trouble. So I'm just hoping everything switches over nicely. If not, it's really going to be detrimental to all the people in the U.S. uh, watching the WWE Network and trying to find some old matches going through the archives. That's going to be really, really tough and disappointing. And funny enough, I did find that on a TikTok of all places of of uh, that complaint, a valid complaint at that. Last night was Impact Wrestling, and the big match on the card coming into this show was Josh Alexander versus TJP for the X Division Championship. And no, it was not in the main event. They opened the show with it. And I thought that was a little odd. I didn't think that they need to open the show with that. I thought, funny enough, that this was main event worthy. The mid-card talent in Impact Wrestling arguably is better than some of the main event talent in Impact. So uh, I give a lot of credit to the mid-card in Impact given their talent level. So I was hoping that it would end the show with it, but I'm also happy with how they end the show as well. We'll get to that a little bit down the line. But first, focusing on the opening match, because this was an important match in my mind. I really wanted to see what Josh Alexander could do here. So TJP bleeding from his mouth early on. Didn't see any strikes early on, funny enough. This might actually be him biting his tongue or bumping his tooth on the mat, funny enough, uh, for his mouth to be bleeding uh, that early on into the match. Uh, And the match was moving relatively fast for a a mat wrestling type of match between Alexander and TJP, really going for holds and joint locks. It was moving really fast, and it ended up being a 15-minute match in total, which is relatively long for an impact match, but... I would have liked to have seen this go 20 and be in the main event. That would have been ideal for me. So they could have did everything that they did in this match, except it wouldn't have been so jammed together. Alexander continuously going for the ankle lock uh, match, uh, being called by Stryker and D'Lo, ends up feeling like the main event of WrestleMania. They're really going at it in the opening match of Impact Wrestling. And it makes it, they make it sound like this is the biggest match in the history of pro wrestling. I think there's a time and place for that. I'm not going to deny uh, Matt Stryker's broadcasting ability for the play-by-play position. I think he does a fantastic job for making you feel emotion and making you feel what the wrestlers are feeling in the ring. I remember he brought up the mask standpoint. Now, we all know how it is to wear masks 24-7 now. And to imagine wrestling a match in a, a mask, it's going to be tough because 
because of restricted breathing ability. He talks about the joints, like, oh, feel feel that tendon right by your ankle, how tender it is. I, I love when he does that, but they're really calling this match heavy as if it was the creme de la creme of impact. It was the opening match. So, you know, nothing taken away from the opener, but I felt like they were really, really hard on that. Uh, Bomba Splash by TJP, and TJP wins and retains the X Division Championship. A solid match, but a lot to take in to start in the show. I'm not really complaining about it. I really enjoyed it. But if it wasn't the main event and it was five minutes longer, I think it would have been perfect for these two, as they definitely deserve it. And I was also a little surprised to see Josh Alexander take the title shot right now, to have the title shot a few days after No Surrender when he got the opportunity to fight for the X Division Championship. So for it to be so soon, I, we believe that there's bigger plans in store for definitely TJP and whoever is next to go for the X Division Championship. We'll get to that a little bit later in this review as well. Next match, Willie Mack versus Suicide versus Trey Miguel versus Davari. Fatal four-way match. Uh, the match flies around the ring early on. Uh, th- these competitors are also in that triple threat revolver match which is type of a gauntlet slash triple threat Adelia that they had at no surrender uh, I really liked a lot of these competitors but as I said the only winner really out of all of that uh, that group would have been Trey Miguel Josh Alexander and Chris Bay so with Trey Miguel being the only person in this fatal four way you could sort of assume which way this match was going so a lot of fun spots with wrestlers uh, previously who were knocked out of the match like uh, out ringside grabbing into the match once again finding their way back and forth back and forth the match felt really fresh throughout the whole time and really grabbed my attention something that actually the first match uh, struggled for me to do I wanted to get into the episode I couldn't because it was going a little bit too fast for me but this one I felt like I really was involved and Trey Miguel ends up coming out with a victory after hitting a meteora on suicide and this victory, in my opinion, puts him in that same position as Ace Austin for the X Division title. Ace Austin winning the X Cup at Genesis. So we're still waiting for Ace Austin to get his title shot. He started to be the number one contender after winning the X Cup. And now for Trey Miguel to win this Fatal 4-Way against three other X Division competitors, Trey Miguel deserves to be in that conversation as well. So both these guys doing t- tremendous work. Uh... As soon as Trey Miguel passes through the curtain, it cuts backstage to Sammy Callahan waiting for him behind that curtain, claiming Miguel has a lack of passion. So once again, Callahan going at Miguel for leaving uh, and not coming back to Impact for a little bit uh, due to COVID and other things. So I can't wait for the Miguel-Callahan match. They're building up pretty well, being very subtle with it. I don't believe they've had a physical interaction where they actually start throwing punches at each other uh, as recently as this return. So, But I do like the mind games that Callahan is playing. Uh, one thing that does bother me about Callahan's work sometimes is that he does all his stuff in, in that ICU um, layer that he has. And that layer, he puts videos on in the background and of previous matches and stuff like that. But remember when I talked about Impact Wrestling focusing on what's going on in the background when it comes to a production standpoint, he has the videos paused in the background. You could see the, the running bar on the bottom. You can see notifications popping up on the screen. You can see the dashboard. It's not 
technically pleasing, you know, I want to see a nice full screen video, and it's easy to do enough, just to click a couple extra buttons on your Windows browser, and you got it done, you know, and have the video run on repeat, not have a video stopped in the background with a notification in the middle of the screen, that, that bothers me to no end, because it just shows that he didn't look around, and didn't care, uh, even though he put in the effort to have those videos on the background, he didn't put in that extra effort to make it look as beautiful as it can. Because I know Sammy Callahan definitely has the talent in ring and also has the great promo work, but the technical skills of Impact Wrestling, once again, from a production standpoint, hurting me. But that was a few weeks back. I'm once me, that's just me harping on things that stick in my mind sometimes with Impact from the production standpoint. Next match Hernandez with Brian Myers versus Matt Cardona. Uh, Cardona dominating early on with his agility. Myers distracts the ref, and Hernandez connects with the low blow to Matt Cardona. The ref didn't see it. Cardona connects with the radio silence and wins towards the back end of the match. In a post-match promo, uh, Cardona says that he's here to make his mark on Impact Wrestling. Myers has to re-enter the ring and calls uh, out on Cardona saying, This is my place. Impact Wrestling is my home. You came here for what? And Cardona ends up actually calling his bluff. Everyone knowing that Cardona and Myers are best friends in real life. They have their uh, ma- uh, the major podcast, the, the figures, the you know that the the action figure uh, wrestling podcast, and which they always do a good job with. That name is escaping me right now, but you know they do it all the time. And personally, as a, I'm from Queens, New York, them two both being from the same area as me, and even going to the same. Uh, wrestling Universe store on Francis Lewis Boulevard. Big shout out to those guys over there. Uh, they go to that store all the time for signings and stuff like that. And it's always nice to see, uh, especially when they get involved in the community and the collecting community as well of professional wrestling. Hernandez attacks Cardona and Edwards uh, comes in to save Cardona as Cardona and Edwards stand tall. They had that tag team match already, so I don't expect to see it again. But anyway, Edwards getting his paycheck for the night for getting involved and saving Cardona. Obviously, one day this is going to lead to a Myers-Cardona uh, match. When is that going to come? Probably at uh, No Rebellion at uh, that pay-per-view. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun ride between them two. And uh, currently, they've only confronted each other once in a physical sense uh, at No Surrender. So, to see them actually go at it on a singles match would be pretty good on an impact stage. One of the favorite parts of the night for me on Impact Wrestling, the AEW announcement. I know that might be a little tough to hear, but uh, it's always funny to see Tony Khan and Shivani go on to Impact Wrestling with their quote-unquote paid ads. And Tony Khan called this paid ad a charitable donation as it is a write-off. His accountant said that he could do that. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. And Tony Khan once again brings up that how he is the he is physically the forbidden door. He is the person that makes the decision that if someone from New Japan wants to come over to AEW, if someone from Impact wants to come over to AEW, he is the reason why they will be able to come through. And I love how Tony Khan is this heelish anti-hero figure on Impact Wrestling. Funny enough, but not on AEW television. It's not shoved down our throats, but if you're watching Impact Wrestling and you see Tony Khan, you get this type of anti-hero character, which is fun. I think it's fun because it's very rare that we see Tony Khan in person on AEW, except for big events, when something major happens. You know, when we, we as I mentioned uh, a couple episodes ago, we saw Tony Khan when... 
Kenny Omega walked out with the belt. We saw Tony Khan when Brody Lee passed away. And we see him all the time sparingly around. His name is always tossed around because he is Tony Khan. He's the one that books the matches. He was that, that runs the show. He's the one that has the money that's made AEW where it is now. He's the one that owns the venue, you know? So... Uh, I really appreciate what he does, and uh, I've been loving these ads ever since they started, and I'll continue to love these ads because, funny enough, they're the best uh, produced item in the all of Impact's show, which I think is hilarious because right after, they had the Havoc and Nevea backstage segment, and you always tell the camera's a little off, camera's not focused right. You know, it gets on my nerves. I'm, tr- I'm trying to do my best to not look at that from a production standpoint and watch it from f- pure pro wrestling standpoint. But that's the only thing I really have to nitpack, nitpick about Impact Wrestling is that production value. So, Havoc and Nevaeh backstage. Uh, Nevaeh questions if they should be a tag team still going forward after their defeat at No Surrender. Tanil Dashwood interjects herself into the conversation trying to tag team with Havoc, given Nevaeh wants out. And Nevaeh uh, gets mad at this. They end up having a one-on-one match later in the night. And instead of Nevaeh having Havoc come ringside, which Havoc requested, she wants to do this on her own. So that match will come later in the night. Next match, the biggest match probably of the night, and the one with the most marquee, uh, Reno Smith versus Finjuice. And Finjuice, yes, you heard that name before if you watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. Finjuice from Japan, Juice Robinson and David Finley. They are former IWGP Tag Team Champions. We've seen them in Ring of Honor before, and now they are in Impact. So great to see them, especially uh, two IWGP Champions uh, making their way over to Impact. There's always his success for Impact, giving them that credibility, that notability as well from a New Japan stage. Very, very huge for them to get to those two guys to come over. It was a teased at the end of No Surrender that they were coming over. You might have actually missed it because it came after the show going to black and then popping up with that Impact logo. If you clicked off right away too fast, you might have actually missed it. And you might have even assumed that it was just a commercial for something that they run all the time. But no, it was actually a big announcement of Finjuice making their way over to Impact. So, great back and forth early on in a match that could have been a squash match, honestly. You know, with, with you know, you bring a guy from New Japan, IWGP champion. This match could be over in three seconds. But good back and forth, super, superplex and a frog splash off the top rope to win. Finjuice does, and then the Good Brothers enter. Finjuice reminds the Good Brothers that they aren't young boys anymore. The young boys being the term that they use in Japan, saying you know, pretty much calling them a rookie. Carry my bags. We heard uh, hit a good amount in AEW with uh, Rusev and uh, Charles that Rusev called them. I'm going to continue to call Chuck Charles because I think that's hilarious. So I'm calling him a young boy and making him become the butler, if you will. So uh, they reminded the Good Brothers that they aren't young boys anymore and they can hang, that the young boys can't hang with them when it comes to drinking, which I think is hilarious given the whole gimmick with the Good Brothers is hitting the bars after big matches. So, great to see Finn Juice there. Now, uh, legitimate competition for the Good Brothers in Impact Wrestling. You know, Good Brothers being there, there's almost no tag team that stands toe-to-toe with them, maybe besides the uh, Motor City Machine Guns, but with uh, Sabian by himself right now and working with Storm, funny enough, and doing 
uh, terrible promo work with uh, not him, but just terrible storyline work with the uh, Swinger and Swinger's Casino, Swinger's Palace, whatever you want to call it. I'm not even going to talk about that in in this review because it's just not not worth my mention. Not worth my mention as I aggressively turn my notes. So I, I have right here at the top of the page Swinger's Palace and Falaba loses ten bucks. So there you go. That that that's all you got from that. <laughs> Next match: uh, Tennille Dashwood versus Nevea. Nevea dominant into the break, driving Dashwood into the ring post. But Dashwood picks up energy, dropping Nevea into the, the exposed turnbuckle, crossbody, and win for Dashwood. So Nevea goes down on her back. Would hate to see Nevea and Havoc break up. But sometimes that's just how the cookie crumbles in Impact Wrestling. And also, I, would lo- I, I wouldn't like to see Impact Wrestling go the same route as WWE currently stands, where they falter when it comes to the women's tag team division, where they have barely any women to compete in the tag team division. Right now, currently, uh, there is something in the works going forward. We're going to go through that in two segments. But uh, I just want to make sure Impact Wrestling keeps up with their women's tag team division. Yes, they had a whole great tournament, and you crowned a champion of Fire and Flavor as your women's tag team champions, but if you don't continue from that, what was the whole point of putting the belts on them? Might as well just made it a cup tournament, have them win the cup, and that's it, call it a day. If you're going to bring the belts back, you're also bringing back that division, and that division I expect to be on the same level as the men's. And there's no reason why not. Right now, the men's also struggle as well because it's only the good brothers, but I digress. Next segment, Diener and Violent by Design. Uh, pretty much in sum, Diener challenges Jake something to a tables match and wants at it alone, as this is a family matter. So Diener versus Jake something next week. No Violent by Design, and this is a tables match. Once again, I hope this leads up to a cage match. Only reason I say that is because, uh, just to confirm the fact that Violent by Design won't interfere I would love to see a cage match. I don't know if they have the capabilities of doing a cage match of where they currently are in that studio. I don't think I, I can't remember if I've seen one or not throughout the COVID era. I have to really look back and scratch my head there for a little bit and, and remember. But uh, yeah, tables match works fine for me. I, as I said at the end of No Surrender and when Jake something went from cousin Jake to Jake something, uh, I really would appreciate if this storyline lasted a couple months because this could be really really good for impact you know have two cousins split up and fight that that isn't that the whole point of professional wrestling you, you split up and you fight for a little bit so let's not uh, burn it all away in the first couple of weeks here let's let this build especially if you're impact wrestling diana peraza backstage she's also backstage with kimberly and susan susan's upset because she got pinned last week on uh, excuse me got pinned at no surrender and they meet up with Scott DeMore, Kimberly and Susan versus Jordan Grace and Jazz. Uh, that is the match that is set up by Deanna Peraza. Winner gets a shot at the women's tag team title. So, hey, we do have some life in the women's tag team division and for Impact Wrestling. And hopefully, uh, I would like to see Kimberly and Susan go for it. If not, Jordan Grace and Jazz would be fantastic as well. Both great choices. Susan. Funny enough, a lot of people are liking Susan right now for that gimmick that that she's running with, running with this kind of Karen gimmick, and she's doing it very, very well. Uh, she's calling the manager. She is on her phone. She's doing everything a Karen should do, but her name is Susan. So I appreciate it, and uh, I think, are they worthy of a title run? 
I don't think so. But are they worthy of a title opportunity? Yes, I think so as well, just to keep that tag team division alive and running well. Moving on to the main event, Moose versus Tommy Dreamer in old school rules at the end of No Surrender. Moose came out and attacked Rich Swan and Tommy Dreamer at the end of the match. And uh, this now turning into an old school rules match after Rich Swan uh, not appearing on this episode of Impact Wrestling, uh, recovering from the attack from Moose, which I thought was pretty funny. And uh, you, you all know how high I am on Moose right now. I think he's an absolute superstar after what he did at Hard to Kill. He really stepped up to the plate, and Impact, I think, appreciates him for that, for almost stealing the show from Kenny Omega at Hard to Kill. That's very, very tough to do. That Spanish fly pointing at Kenny Omega doing his his uh, signature pose, uh, that is engraved in my mind for a long, long time. And uh, Moose has a deep place in my heart. But starting off with the action, it falls outside early on. Dreamer bites Moose on the forehead. Always great to see, <laughs> especially during COVID times. I think it's hilarious anytime we do. Now you sort of look at those moves when... Someone bites the bottom rope. Someone bites someone else's forehead. You look at those and cringe a little bit because we're living in COVID times. So yeah, back in the day, maybe not as much. But now it's sort of like, ugh, you know, we're in a kind of a pandemic right now. But it's okay. <laughs> the match spends a lot of time early on outside of the ring. And as soon as things start to fall inside, the match starts to wrap up a bit. Moots starts to talk to Dreamer, saying that his problem really lays with Rich Swan. Moose really has an issue with Swan and not with Dreamer. But uh, Swan, uh, excuse me, Moose all business taking his anger out on Tommy Dreamer. Dreamer speaking back to Moose openly saying, do I stiff the boys, huh? Do I stiff the boys? It always bothers me when, not only when that is picked up by the microphones, but when it's also acknowledged by commentary. I never liked when they use insider lingo or locker room lingo on air and they use it openly. So, you know, when you stiff the boys, when, you, when you're you're striking and making contact in professional wrestling, but it actually you actually are making contact. You're not uh, throwing a, a pulled punch or an open fist punch or whatever like that. I believe that comment came after he hit Moose over the head with a, a cookie sheet or something like that. So uh, that's a little tough to... To, to not stiff there, especially when I get a good sound as well. But moving over to the back end of the match, uh, Dreamer uh, able to push Moose through a table, but will not go quiet into that good night. Funny enough, they actually used that call twice in one night. I did note that in my notes, but I'm not going to dock no for it, given that it is a good poem and it is a good quote. But Moose amps up, spears Dreamer, and wins. And the show fades to black there. So think about that. Moose wins, stands tall, show is over, no run-in, no crazy heel or face running in at the time. And it, I I can't remember the last time I've seen an Impact Wrestling where the winner stands tall and the show face to black. I, mean, I don't think I've seen that in a very long time. The past few weeks we, we've seen Shamrock and Eddie Edwards and, and a ton of stuff, Good Brothers Especially when the Kenny Omega stuff was going on with the bus backstage, the show would end with a brawl either uh, in in the backstage area or in the parking lot. Show fades to black after a match. Uh, I appreciate it almost as much as a, as a show starting with a wrestling match and not a promo. So, nice to see. 
for this impact, I'm going to give it a grade of a C. I think it stands firmly at a C, has space to go up, space to go down. We've seen how bad an impact wrestling can be, especially from a production value standpoint. Last week, I gave it a D plus because there was just so many errors, so many jump cuts, so many things from an editing standpoint that take away from the professional wrestling as a whole, and it doesn't protect the professional wrestlers on screen because their job is to go out there and wrestle. And when the production crew fails them, that hurts me, and I feel like it should hurt the show when I give it a grade. But this week wasn't as bad, but still had bad moments. And I really did like the spots, what they did with Moose. I really liked the stuff that they did with Diener as well, even though there was a quick little promo there. Um, the fact that they're continuing this storyline, that's swiping it underneath the rug, is definitely appreciated. We're going to head into the break, but... Coming up next, we're going to talk about pro wrestlers stepping outside of the squared circle and stepping into the celebrity stratosphere, entering into TV shows, movies, and all that. Stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on February 17th, 2002, the NWO makes their WWE debut Take note of the year there, 2002, two years after WCW went under. At the time, there was no reason for Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Hulk Hogan, and plenty other big names that were with WCW to hop over to WWE so soon because of the guaranteed money that were they were being paid to sit at home, thus making the invasion angle in the early 2000s almost moot because... None of the big names were there from WCW. Yes, we would have loved to see the the huge, you know, Scott Hall matches and the the big Kevin Nash matches, you know, everything with Hogan, you know. But when the biggest name to come over is Booker T, and nothing against him, he has a song now by Bad Bunny. But when that biggest name really is Booker T, there's only so much you can do, especially when the big name that everyone loved in WCW and big name like Sting, who didn't want to come to the WWE, uh, when that happens, it's sort of that invasion type of idea goes to move. But the NWO did end up finding their way over to the WWE later down the line, but they did find their way there for a quasi-good run. wasn't fantastic, wasn't nowhere close to what the NWO was in WCW, but definitely uh, did find its way and made its impact in the early 2000s of the WWE. Speaking of making impacts, uh, professional wrestlers, we look at them, and I think the some of the best way to s- describe the most successful professional wrestlers is that if you make it out of professional wrestling, where your only job isn't a professional wrestler, you're an actor, you're an endorser, you, you do things that are outside of the ring, that also bring in a sense of income. And I'm going to go through some professional wrestlers that have stepped out of the squared circle and then into the celebrity stratosphere, I like to call it, stepping out of the world of our little bubble of professional wrestling where we know what's going on outside into the scary world of paparazzi's media, red carpets, and all that. And let's start this list off very strong. The Rock. I don't think you could start it off any stronger than that. Talk about a person leaving the WWE and then heading into acting, heading into TV shows, heading into movies. I can do a whole 60-minute podcast on what The Rock has done 
after he left the WWE from San Andreas to uh, was he on the Tooth Fairy to I'm naming new movies that I remember from when I was a kid and The Rock was involved in, and now I think just to top it off, we talked about it earlier. He is having a documentary made about his life named Young Rock on NBC. When you, when you made it that far where you now have actors playing you in life, that's how you know you made it. You're no longer the actor. Actors are playing you. That is some special, special stuff right there. And also now I believe a current co-owner of the XFL. And I was actually at the return of the XFL at MetLife Stadium, Guardians uh, versus Orlando, I believe. Or was it Tampa Bay? Yes, the Tampa Bay Vipers versus the New York Guardians. I was at that game. I am officially the, the largest uh, New York Guardians fan of all time. And uh, even though I was only at that one game, uh, I sure had a blast. And that was definitely a good time. But we'll talk about the XFL another time. That, that's another day. That's a whole nother podcast. Don't, don't even worry. We'll get deep into the XFL. Another professional wrestler stepping out the squared circle. Batista. Best known now for Guardians of the Galaxy, what he's doing there. And much like The Rock, but not to the same extent, he's starting to become more known for his work in film than his in-ring work. Personally, I'm going to remember Batista for a lot. Everything he did in WrestleMania 23 against The Undertaker. Before that, versus Triple H in previous WrestleManias. Uh, Stuff he did with John Cena later down the line in the late 2000s, early 2010s. So, uh, And then coming back... And uh, as Blutista with the wearing the all blue, I think we all remember that. But he, now he's stepping outside of the WWE verse and finding himself into movies like Guardians of the Galaxy. That's huge, huge for him. And then uh, that one movie, I, the name of it is escaping me right now, but the one where the the little girl knocks over the uh, the goldfish and he's like blueberry, yells out. That commercial runs through my head all the time for Batista. But good for him. Uh, stepping out and another big one another big name i just mentioned him john cena bumblebee train wreck and now i i see some commercials he's going to be involved in Wipeout, the show with the the four red balls at the end and you got to do the big obstacle course john cena's the perfect guy to do it mr sarcasm if you ever watched a uh vanity fair video of john cena or him doing asking anything he'll never give you a straight answer in his life very rarely will he ever give you a straight answer. Maybe if you're asking him what his name is. And even then, he'll give you a very sarcastic answer. So for him to be hosting Wipeout, that's perfect. And then for him to do Ferdinand, be a voice actor. He was a voice actor on a, a Ford commercial, I believe. A Ford or Chevy commercial. For, for him to do that as well. He's like, hey, I've heard that voice before. That voice is John Cena. That was something that blew my mind. Looking back in the day now, a couple big names. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. He found his way into acting. A lot of these movies, not touted for being the best movies, but uh, he, he was in They Live, he was in Hell Comes From Frogtown, Ported to Hell, Jungle Jungle Ground, uh, you know, big movies. He has this one huge quote, is like, I'm here to uh, kick butt and chew bubblegum and I'm all out of bubblegum. So that's one that sticks out in my mind. And another big name, and probably one of the biggest names from early in the days of the WWF, Hulk Hogan. Rocky three, no hold, no holds bar with the uh, Zeus, rest in peace, who recently died late in 2020. Suburban Commando and Gremlins two as himself, funny enough. But uh, Hulk Hogan, Rocky three, huge, 
absolutely huge for, for the WWF at the moment because now you're having Hulk Hogan uh, being the face of of a Rocky movie, which at the time and still to this day is touted as one of the greatest uh, tri- well, not trilogies, but uh, expansions of movies of all time, the Rocky series. So, yeah, for Hulk Hogan to be a part of that. And then another huge wrestler as well, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, The Commended, The Expendables, The Longest Yard, and that can get into the whole thing about that movie as well. Longest Yard with Goldberg, Kevin Nash, The Great Khali, getting a ton of wrestlers in there with Adam Sandler, of course. Uh, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And now he's doing stuff him, himself on USA. After he left professional wrestling, it took him a little bit to really get into the media sh- stratosphere. I know I've been saying that word a lot, but to get into that media realm. Now he has a podcast. He has that Broken Skull Sessions that did a ton of great work with The Undertaker. And recently he had Sasha Banks, Bailey, Kurt Angle, The Big Show. You know, a ton of names to get in deep dive into the mind of a professional wrestler that only another professional wrestler like Stone Cold Steve Austin can do. There's only a certain amount of questions I think I can ask The Undertaker before he'll get mad at me, but the, I think Stone Cold Steve Austin knows no boundaries and deserves to ask a ton of questions because he is Stone Cold Steve Austin. He lived these moments with The Undertaker. He lived these moments with Kurt Angle. He lived these moments with The Big Show. Maybe myself as a young journalist don't have the same amount of leverage to ask those questions to The Undertaker, to Kurt Angle, just because of the relationship that they hold, giving us, the fan, a tremendous insight to what it's like to be a professional wrestler in that time, the stories that they tell that only they remember that I wouldn't even dream of asking a question about because I would have no clue. Stone Cold Steve Austin now even expanding out of uh, interviewing professional wrestlers now has his own show on USA it did something with Brett Favre where they were shooting Sasquatch with a bow and arrow. I remember that uh, after an episode of Raw. So Steve Austin doing fantastic stuff. Going even earlier now, Andre the Giant. And the only reason I wanted to bring this up was because of The Princess Bride. That movie holds a deep place in my heart because my mom, she showed it to me when I was very young. And the only face I could recognize in that movie at the time was Andre the Giant because I'm a huge professional wrestling fan as a kid. But for Andre to be in that movie, uh, it was just phenomenal for me as a child. This is me giving my my emotional outbreak (laughs) before I give my my analytical. But uh, at that time, uh, he was on his uh, last legs, uh, Andre the Giant. And uh, I'm trying to remember how much after that movie was released he passed away. But he was on his last legs there. But did enter the acting stratosphere and speaking of another big man, uh, The Big Show, and I wanted to save this one for last because I feel that he has done almost uh, some of the most stuff outside of, obviously, The Rock and Cena, but staying uh, outside of the WWE and coming back every, every so often. He had that big show on Netflix, The Big Show show, that had McFoley, Mark Henry, you know, other wrestling names involved in it, but it, it was his show, you know, The Big Show show. It was named after him, much like how The Rock is having a show right now, but instead of being a sitcom, The Rock is is more of a, a documentary type, if you will, but more fun <laughs> on NBC. Uh, Jungle All the Way, and The Water Boy as a Captain Insano. You know, Adam Sandler calling up uh, Captain Insano, saying, uh, how old are you? Oh, I'm 30-something. And they all start cracking up. <laughs> that, that, that's how I feel sometimes 
Uh, not not like Adam Sandler, but in, in a way, I do feel like Adam Sandler in a way sometimes where I can I only imagine what uh, people on my floor, on my dorm floor here at Ithaca College must think of me every night giving you the best professional wrestling news I possibly can, giving the best analysis that I can as well, along with On This Day in Pro Wrestling and always some great snippets as well of uh, the history of pro wrestling and my takes on it. So uh, coming up in the next episode of the Daily DDT Podcast, always a fun one when uh, we talk about the Wednesday Night Wars. And we even get a little bit of love from MLW, who has their MLW Filthy Island. I might cover this. I might not. Depends on how much MLW wows me. And from what I'm hearing, a lot of people are saying that this might be uh, the greatest show MLW puts on. So maybe I will cover it. I'm not going to go super in-depth as I do with NXT and AEW, but I do watch MLW every week. I will say that. Like I, how I said about uh, Ring of Honor, I watch it every week, and when NWA is on, what did, what did they have, Shockwave and before that power? I watched it without a doubt. So uh, to have that going on as well is always nice to see and give some competition to NXT and AEW, even though they aren't going up directly against each other. But maybe one day MLW will will come out on top one week for the Wednesday Night Wars. Uh, but for NXT, getting to the big boys here, NXT, we see the fallout after the implosion of the Undisputed Era at NXT Vengeance Day. And we see also on NXT, Karrion Cross taking on Santos Escobar, the NXT Cruiserweight Champion, for the NXT Cruiserweight title. For AEW, Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz for the AEW Tag Team Championship, FTR versus Matt and Mikey Seidel, uh, Hangman Adam Page, and Matt Hardy versus TH2. And the big match of the night, uh, I'm not sure if they're going to put this at the main event or not. I would assume they would put a tag team match at the main event, given that's for the title. But, you know, with AEW, they can do whatever they want. It almost comes out perfect every time. And you could always assume that's going to be a 920 uh, w- women's match as well. We see Samantha always coming in clutch with that. And she's doing some, um, for a while now, Samantha on Daily DDT, she's been doing uh, timing the women's matches throughout almost all the brands uh, possible. So she's doing a great job there. Also, AEW started their uh, women's uh, bracket for the AEW uh, number one contendership for the AEW Women's Championship. That started on Monday. You can catch that on YouTube. I'm going to go over it a little bit on Wednesday. I wanted to pair it up with AEW. I didn't want to drop it in the middle of the week for you. But I'll pair it up with AEW just in case you haven't seen it yet. It is on YouTube on AEW, so you can catch that there. Main event for AEW, John Moxley, Lance Archer, and Ray Phoenix versus Eddie Kingston, The Butcher, and The Blade. So definitely going to be an eventful Wednesday night for me. I have to stay up pretty late for those because I can't watch NXT and AEW at the same time. I DVR one and then MLW comes before so Wednesday nights are always eventful but usually Wednesday nights are the best nights for professional wrestling as a fan you get so excited people wait for Wednesday nights just like how people wait for Sunday nights for the NFL people wait same thing for uh for NFL for Monday nights for for W for not WWE but for WWE and 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 AEW yeah a lot of people wait for Wednesday nights because that is the creme de la creme of of uh, professional wrestling a lot of people on Twitter wondered how WWE as a brand, as a whole, can go from such a great show on NXT TakeOver Sunday night to such a mediocre show Monday night. 
the discrepancy there is a little crazy and funny how the develop quote unquote developmental brand is looking like the the best brand out of all three for the WWE. But that's all for me. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. If you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jane and Becker TV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.